Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Thursday. It is December 23rd, and we are back with another episode of Destination Different. Santa's coming, baby. Santa is coming. We are a day removed from Santa coming down that chimney, putting some gifts under the tree, eating your cookies, drinking your milk. Santa is on his way. It's my favorite time of year. How can you not love the holidays, spending time with family, eating too much, work slows down. There's just there's just something beautiful about this time of year. I'm probably speaking for myself, but I know that I am very much looking forward to a few days to just relax, chill out, not do much, maybe work on the podcast rather than just spending all day looking at work emails. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I hope everybody has a safe and happy holiday because we are just, we're going through it again. We're going through it again. Cases rising. People can't go home for Christmas. It's just seems like it's never going to end. But I think this is hopefully the final, final boss that we have to beat in order to beat this thing. I have a couple, couple just quick notes as we start to close out the year here. I usually will do a recap episode. What was the you know what was the best of the best of the year? What did I think about you know, what, what progress was made? So I'm going to do that next week. Next week there's going to be we still have an interview, but I want to make sure that I touch on some of the big learning, some of the things that we picked up in year technically 3 of the podcast. This thing started in 2019 in September. We had all of 2020, and now we've had all of 2021. So yeah, year three of the Destination Different podcast. I want to just quickly recap what's going on. So that's my first note. Next week, you can expect that little look back at how 2021 has gone. Point number two, spoiler alert, things are going well. Last, the tool that I use to publish the podcast, I publish on Anchor, it measures listens it measures all my data from mid-month to mid-month why i don't know i wish it would do the first to the 30th or 31st but it doesn't goes 15 to 15 we just passed that mark from mid-november to mid-december second biggest month of listens all time of the destination different podcast it's growing it's going back up that that listens arrow going up and to the right the way you want it to go I know over the last few months, it struggles. I struggle to keep the keep the momentum, keep the positivity going, and it's good to see. Honestly, without you know, work has been chaos. My real work, and to somehow continue to put out the podcast and have listenership start to go back up, it's a good sign. It's good momentum going into year four of the podcast. So that's two and three. Last thing, for some reason, in this interview. This has never happened before. There is the tiniest, faintest of echoes when I talk. The guest, totally fine. And he also happens to have the butteriest, smoothest voice you've ever heard. So I'm glad that his audio was not messed up. But for some reason, there's just the ever so faintest echo in what I'm doing. I hope it doesn't bother you. I hope it's not an issue. I'm trying to get to the bottom of what it was. I recorded two other interviews after doing this one, and they're totally fine, crystal clear. I honestly think my mic is getting a little old. It's two and a half years old. I've been using it since we started the podcast. And if I just move the cord ever so slightly, it causes issues with the audio. So I think that's that's what's happening here. There's just the slightest of echoes. It's not too distracting to the podcast, but just wanted to get that out there up front, that there is just a tiny, tiny, tiny little echo reverberation so i apologize for that i hope you can still enjoy the show 
those are my three things. I now want to get into the guest from this week. Like I said, he has the butteriest, smoothest, best voice for radio I've maybe ever heard. His name is Quentin Allums, and he does just about everything. So Quentin is an entrepreneur. He's an artist. He's a creative. He is a strategist. He does. He really does it all. He is an experienced entrepreneur, came out of college with nothing, dead broke, and started not one, not two, but three businesses. And it was really his third that helped him take off and skyrocket. It was in an agency where he was consulting on personal branding, really. He was working on, for big, big business people, big entrepreneurs, their personal brands, helping them make videos, helping them find their voice, helping them write in a way that brought in an audience, that brought in more clients. And so he started that agency, hired a bunch of people out, and it wasn't only until recently that he shut down that agency, just really at the start of the pandemic. And he wanted to focus on his art. And if you look at Quentin's resume, it is pretty spectacular. I joked with him a few times that he's maybe done more on the internet in the span of 10 years than just about anybody. I think he's had two or three podcasts, including his most recent one, Stupid Deep, that was a top 50 podcast in the first 30 days of launching it. I wish I had those numbers. He is one of the biggest creators in the entire world on LinkedIn, really was early to get in on the LinkedIn wave and has been posting video to LinkedIn and taking advantage of that platform. He is one of the top, top creators over on LinkedIn. And since then, he's also you know taken those learnings from video on LinkedIn. He's moved over to TikTok. He's moved over to YouTube. He has built this audience as a creative, as a video storyteller that is very powerful. And he tells stories in such a unique and fascinating way. And that's all what he's done in the past. And if you look at now what he's what he's focusing on now and what he's focusing on going forward, he's actually working full-time in a real job with a real boss, which he's never done before. He took a job recently with Lewis Howes and the School of Greatness. If you haven't watched or listened to Lewis's work, highly recommend because he is maybe what I'm shooting for in what I'm doing right now, just one of the, the all-time great creatives in that space. But Quentin is working as the head of marketing within Greatness Media. And he took that job as a full-time role, you know, not knowing what a full-time role really felt like, what having a boss felt like. He has always been an entrepreneur, has always worked for himself, and is now learning and absorbing in the, I don't want to even say corporate world, but is, is you know, cutting his teeth there while still working on his artistic side projects. And one of those being that he wants to start building out social experiments. And we get into talking about what that means in the show today. But as, as we look forward, as Quentin starts to focus on what his next piece of art is, what, his, you know, what the next three, five, ten years starts to look like, he wants to build out these social experiments and record them and create touch points where people can get together in the real world, in the metaverse. And it was fascinating to hear what he has on the horizon as a storyteller. So I'll shut up now. I've spent way too much time on this intro. This is a doozy. I loved, loved, loved talking to Quentin. I felt like by the end of the episode, we were fast friends and I could have talked to him for four hours. He just has so much going on and so many stories to tell. So that's what we got. Quentin Allums on this week's episode of Destination Different. It is a good one. I hope you enjoy. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) Um, It's so hard because I'm like changing right now. Um, I would say my name is Q, but I go by Quentin Michael now. Um, And I make art and social experiments for people. That is what I would say, but it wouldn't really be reflected anywhere else because I haven't really started yet. So, (laughs) yeah. It's hard answering that. No, it's. it's... (laughs) 
I have I have two questions that basically go in every interview, one at the start and one at the end, and there may be the two <laughs> questions that nobody has any clue ever how to answer. So, <laughs> well, hopefully the in between is a little little easier. Uh, so the first my first real question for you, and I I debate this a lot. My first question question that I like to ask people is always you know I struggle with, but for you, I want to know what is your favorite Kobe Bryant moment ever. Hmm. Damn. I love Kobe. Um, dude, that's tough. Honestly, like, I, we could go moments, but I think for me, um, I wouldn't say, like, a, a specific moment. I would say, for me, I didn't really have, like, that fatherly figure. It sounds weird, but Kobe was, like, always someone that I kind of, like, modeled my life after or, like, the way that I think or certain things, how I approach things. Um there's an interview that I think he does. It might have been with Lewis Howes. I'm sure he's mentioned this other places too. Um, it's, this is off court, of course. And he just talks about like his dad. Now his dad is like, there's nothing that you can do that's like, I'm not going to love you anymore. I just, I love that. And I feel like so many of us need that. But also like so many of us need to like give ourselves that love. I'd say that's probably my favorite moment, even though it's not on the court. Um, other than that, I would say beating the Celtics. That was a good one. <laughs> What year was that? As as a Boston guy, I don't like that one. But <laughs> you're the second person actually this this week that it's only Monday. I'm pretty sure, right? It's Monday, yeah. Mm-hmm. Only Monday that 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 has come up with. That's hilarious. <laughs> just really just digging in there. We got we got one off them. So, but yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to ask about Kobe because I know I've, I've seen you mention it a few places now, and and I think he's obviously such an interesting figure obviously was as an athlete and then in sort of his second life as a creative as a dad as a entrepreneur um and i've seen you know even in your interview with lewis you talk about he talks about you know, treating life as like an athlete i know you grew up as a as an athlete as well so i'm curious do you apply any of that philosophy to your life now do you still think about the way that you create content or that you approach business as a in as an athlete at all um, I'm curious your thoughts of how you apply that. Yeah, um, I would say not really like a traditional athlete. I think the thing with me is that like with athletics, like I was just talking about this, um, like for me, a lot of my life, if you've ever played any sports, like let's say high school to college, um, something that a lot of athletes, not all, but a lot of athletes go through. I was a um, triple jumper, but I also played basketball like in high school. I wasn't that good, but I jumped high. Um, but in any sport, for the most part, you go from high school, let's say you're crushing it. Like it's, this is your zone, like it's perfect. You crush everybody, go to college and you still might be good, but like, you know, the basketball court or something like the game's so fast, like everything's moving. It's like, oh my God, I can't keep up with everything because it's just so new. A lot of my athletic career, um, even in triple jump, which was my, my best like event, like it just felt so fast. Um, and it wasn't until I got older and out of it where things started to slow down. And that just really showed me like how I learn, how I consume things. Like I like to get like nitty gritty, like what are all the details? How do things work? Like I'm very creative and very strategic. And I think that fills in a lot of my like downfalls. Uh, but I, I don't really approach um, my life for content like a sport, maybe like a video game. Like mm-hmm. how can I beat this thing? Um, but I think a lot of what I've learned has come from athletics. Okay. Yeah. I was, I've always, I, I wanted to start off there because I felt like you that play? was, I, I did. I played soccer, basketball growing up and, and you know, it's, it's, I've talked to now a handful of athletes on the show as well that are sort of, you know, moved into the business side of things or starting their own thing. And so it's always interesting to kind of see what the, the points of comparison are there. I did have, and I don't know if this is your record or <laughs> could, could you tell me, do you think you know what your triple jump record is? Of all this time. Is high school or college? This is college. Ah, uh, forty-five, which isn't that great. Okay, I see. This this is maybe. I don't know if this was a, a total record. I have forty-two and oh, no, two and no, one quarter not, inches. You're higher than that. that that's not right. No. Okay, that's not no, accurate. Not even close. No, I all beat right. that in high school. So all right, okay. If that's what's online, that's sad. So we got bad information. <laughs> we got bad information. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, I don't, I don't think I would have been able to make it to college if forty-two was by my PR. All right, all right, just check it. Even 45 isn't that great, but, you know. It's fair, fair, fair. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so now I, I do want to ask, you know, how, 
at what point did you sort of switch into this mode of I want to create content. I want to make things for the internet. I want to make art. Was that always part of who you were growing up or was there some sort of switch there at some point that you're like, I, I want to make things. I want my voice to be heard. I want to tell stories. Yeah. It's crazy. We say content. Cause I, that word didn't even exist. Didn't even exist. And yeah, that's true. When I was like creating, I was thinking about that. Like I, I remember like being in like maybe like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, like, writing like poems and then like going on like writers forums and be like oh my god can you read my stuff and like getting like feedback from strangers and stuff like it didn't matter like who read it or how many people or if anybody would i just loved to do it so i was always like writing um i moved into like um like writing my own songs and performing after that um again wasn't good at it like a lot of things in my life just not <laughs> that good at it but i tried and i kept doing it i created it on youtube but again it wasn't like oh my god here's this content it's just like, I love singing and I love playing the guitar. So we're going to do it. We're going to share it with people. And I think like when you really start moving into like content marketing and marketing in that world. And when people start speaking like that, it was like 2016 for me. Um, and a buddy of mine was like, yo, you're starting this company. I was 22. He's like, I'd love to interview you. And I was like, super, super like, no, like, let's not do it. I'm not comfortable on camera. I ended up doing it. It was like, it was trash. It was like, absolute garbage and that was really the moment where i'm like okay if i'm gonna be an entrepreneur if i'm gonna start doing it, i need to be able to communicate on camera i need to be able to do these things and from there i just shot a video every day and then eventually that turned into my art again um and i people like when they talk about my stuff or they're like commenting or sending me messages or something they see it as art but i've never really seen it as art I feel like it's not until like now this moment in time with the changes that I do plan on making where it's like really going to become my art mm -hmm. less of me talking less of me like like just more artistic like here's something consume it and what do you feel um but it's always always been a part of me you know just yeah. didn't have a word for it until right later on I've I've seen you mention a few times that personal branding to you is like a I don't know if it's a curse word but it's you know it's <laughs> It's it's yeah. maybe up there. Like, how, how do you feel about some of these, like almost how these words have been like bastardized over the over the last couple of years, and how do you position them in in your work? Yeah, um, yeah. I built my name on like personal branding, just building personal brands. Um, like, it's fine. I get it. Like, we all need one. We all have one. Whatever. I just, I think for a lot of people, it becomes a formula. Like, how do I do this? What are the things that I need to do instead of like just genuinely caring about people and caring about the things that we create? Like, that's always the heart of it for me. Because again, like I'm an artist, like I want to love the things that I create and I want to mm -hmm. love the people that I create it for. I think always going back to that versus how do I hack this algorithm or how do I get more followers? Because it's meaningless if you don't care, you know? Yeah. And that that 500 day, I think it was 500 plus days, you know, video challenge that you did was there an inflection point in that where you were like, I know for me, I've done, you know, a hundred and something episodes of this podcast now. And there, there was a point where I I'd started to listen back to episodes and like, all right, there, there's a noticeable change. I'm getting better. I don't hate the sound of my own voice anymore. I don't hate the questions that I'm asking in that challenge. Did you hit that point where you're like, all of a sudden something's changed here. I, I think I'm, I'm getting the hang of this. Yeah. I think there were multiple, um, honestly, day one, was really bad, but really pivotal for me because it's like, wow, like I didn't sound like an idiot, um, even though I, I actually did like looking back. But at that time, I'm like, I was actually proud of myself and I had a certain energy that I had never really expressed on camera. So day one. Um, and then after that, I would say I was on some random podcasts. And again, I didn't sound like an idiot. I'm like, this is cool. A little bit after that, um, a lot of bit after that, like 520, I didn't know the exact day or exact video. It wasn't days. Um, when it popped off, you know, like 30K for me was popped off. And after that, it was like 100, video, 100 views again, 1,000 views. So it wasn't like crazy. But that showed me like at least like some people care what I have to say. And then after that, it was just like these highlight moments, like me stepping on the stage for the first time me stepping on the stage for the second time, you getting paid like um, to make a post or speak on stage, like different moments that I got different validation. But I wouldn't say there was one single moment where I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, I've got this. Yeah. And I, I think it would be, there's a, there's a lot of creatives that I talk to that, you know, maybe they make that start and they get five 
videos in or they get five blogs in or whatever it might be. And then they stop. How did you build a framework or an approach to be able to create and generate ideas day after day after day after day for however long? Yeah. Um, honestly, it's a great question. I'll give you someone else's answer because I think it's better than mine. <laughs> and then I'll tell you what I did. Uh, someone recently, and I love this, and I started implementing it myself is kind of implementing myself. I've been taking a break, but he said, create twice every single day and post once. If you create twice, you always have a backup. You always have something that you can then like, okay, this is going out tomorrow. This is going out this day. You do that for a year and you'll have another year of content, you know? So creating twice, posting once, I'd say that's a good framework when it comes to like, actually, what do you say? Um, just map out what you're talking about. Like, look at the comments, like pay attention to like what people are saying, what you're constantly answering. Um, if you have no idea, um, you're probably not passionate about the thing that you're talking about or like you're just too much in your head, you know, like there's sites like, what is it? Answer the public or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, oh, there's so many resources. Like look at people that you're inspired by. Look at people in your industry. Like, what are they talking about? What are they not talking about? For me at the time and kind of what I did, um, again, I was 22. I had no experience. I didn't know how to build a company or what really went into it. How I went around that was just, this is what I did today. Um, I don't know why I thought people would care, <laughs> but I did it anyway. I lost a client. This is what I learned, mm -hmm. you know? I did this and this is what happened. Um, so I just, I just talked about my life. And then eventually when I felt more confident, not sure when that shift happened, that's when I started like teaching and educating. This is what you should do, or this is why I do it this way. Um, but yeah, I just, I talked about my life, mm -hmm. which okay. anyone can do. It's true. At that time when you're 22 and you're getting started, your first company was like a VR yeah, I company. Yeah, call it a company. So I, it, I tried. <laughs> like you were into, like you, the more I dug in on you, I'm like, the more this guy, you, you got a little bit, you got a little sprinkles everywhere. It's unbelievable. Dude, yes. <laughs> but like you're doing 3D, like how, how, why, why VR, why yeah. 3D design? Like how was that what your yeah, world was? Even now, like, like I, I want to, I'm very soon moving into just like hosting social experiments. I love that stuff. I love psychology. I love sociology and I love art and content. I'd consider myself good at it. Not great, but good. I'm getting better. Um, I really want to host social experiments in the metaverse. That's always been something that I wanted to do. I, my, one of my first businesses that I don't really talk about was in a video game. Like I love that stuff. Before I started my first business, I worked for a wearable tech company and I worked for a virtual reality startup as well. So I've just always been in love with that space. Um, but I realized one coming out of college, I had like such a need to prove myself, Hey, this guy's really cool and I'm good at marketing, decent at marketing at the time, but marketing isn't cool. What should we do? Let's try to build this virtual reality simulation. I call it a business, but it wasn't a business. We made no money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was just a bullshit MVP. Um, you put on a headset and you order coffee in Spanish. That's what I built. And you couldn't even like, there were no like pathways yet. Like that's as far as I got. And I was like, okay, let's just scrap this. This is dumb. I'm just going to focus on an agency, but tech and like everything future wise is always, I'm obsessed. I just don't talk about it. So I don't consider myself an expert in it, but I love, 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 love. Um, that space and it's cool that that it's really moving now you know and people are talking about what's happening with nfts like just really giddy about it yeah were you just were you just ahead of your time yeah yeah a little bit but i also didn't have the chops to build what i needed to build so it's, it's a pretty complex thing to build in 2015 or whenever it was <laughs> yeah still honestly, still is today probably i've been i've been 3d modeling again just because again i like art like I'm proud of myself for what I did on my crappy little laptop at the time, like no hardware, like, I don't know. And was that something was cool. that was self-taught or yeah. was that, yeah, entirely self-taught? Yeah. All self-taught, yeah. I had a little team helping me too, but again, I did it last long. It was like eight months. Yeah, got it. Okay. And at, at a certain point, you know, during your, you, you get the VR thing going and then you then more so move, you mentioned into like the agency space where it's more of a consultatory role. You're, you're advising on personal brands. You're, you know, doing that, you know, LinkedIn became a big place for you. So I'm, I'm curious to know from a, 
expertise standpoint, you know, you have all of a sudden, you know, you've, you've built this foundation, like of, you know, building your own personal brand, you're sort of becoming comfortable on camera. How did you get into this space where you're now advising other people and starting to bring on clients to kind of help them grow in the same, same way that you were? Yeah. Um, good question. I would say, so after I closed the first company, first product project down, mm-hmm. let's stop saying Spanish coffee, yeah, Spanish coffee. After I stopped that, um, I was like, okay, let's just focus full time on this agency. And I had no income, like nothing. Um, absolutely nothing, no savings. I think I, that month I officially quit my full-time job. So I had nothing, no backup plan. Um, my first offer was $15 for a thousand followers on Twitter. So that gives you an idea of who I was and mm-hmm. how my mind was working and what I lacked because it was a lot. Um, and I, I sold that offer and I was like, oh my God, I can do this. Okay. Then I started, okay, here's $800 to manage your social media. And I just got really, really lucky with someone and he introduced me to a lot of people, but I was just, I did whatever I could get and that was social media management. Then I tried to move into like, okay, let's do content for real estate. Then like all these different verticals and industries and niches. But at the same time, I was recording these videos for myself. And it was officially, or um, starting out, it was YouTube, then Facebook, then like Snapchat, then Instagram, Ask Whale, which I really did have success on, but it closed down. <laughs> um, and then LinkedIn. And this guy that had set me up with this, um, with these other companies to, so I could pay the bills, introduced me to this guy on LinkedIn named Josh Fetcher. Josh Fetcher um, was like at the forefront of like the broetry movement and content creators, broetry like line by line text mm-hmm. and content creators like really using LinkedIn, like millions and millions of views. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of money here. I jump on, I start writing because I'm a writer, but then they release video and I had been doing all this stuff. So I'm like, wow, that makes sense. Let me do this. Um, Found a lot of success, four, five, six months passed by, find a lot of success. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, like let me put together like the sample um, test group, whatever, to see if I can get them results in personal branding. Um, did that, got one result or one really, really good case study out of that. Mm-hmm. He became my client. I used that to get other clients. Found a lot of success for the first time in my life. And then I'm like, okay, this is boring. Let me start a company because I want, or another company with like actual employees, teams, that company absorbed this one. Um, and I had the resources finally to do something. I had a video team. I had a sales guy with me and I could focus on just like the strategy. Um, so I guess, honestly, luck in like stumbling upon these things and like just having built relationships before. One of my first clients for, um, for like personal branding stuff is like now one of the biggest um, LinkedIn influencers. Another one was my previous boss that I got fired from uh, back in the day. And like, she's honestly now she's still one of my consulting clients because we're so close. She's crushing it too, you know? So I just, I think I really just got lucky um, and I leveraged what I had at the time. No, like real, like yeah, no, smart move or anything. No direct, like this was this thing that got you to, okay, I have a couple questions coming out of that. 15 bucks for a thousand Twitter followers. That was... <laughs> You were really underselling yourself there, man. Dude, that was so dumb, man. <laughs> don't don't get me started. <laughs> but I did it. I did like, it. <laughs> I mean, this is maybe maybe you don't have an answer to this, but like, was there any sort of rationale between but by putting that price on it? I wanted to get a check for the first time in my life, I think, and I was like, okay, it's gonna be. I, dude, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Begin to tell you what was going through my mind, but I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then. <laughs> And then as you're actually, as you start building this thing out and you mentioned you have, you know, you have one client that you pick up that like, you really have a, a case study for. What did that case study look like? Cause you've obviously were able to then go and replicate it for others, but what, what was sort of the success metrics that you were showing to sell yourself to other clients, other like high profile or non-high profile individuals? Yeah. So starting out, it was non-high profile, just regular people. Um, I had mapped out this plan. I had two other business partners at the time. Um, mapped out this plan for like a 30-day task group. Talked to a business coach who was like consulting me at the time. She said, make it seven days. It's like, how can we get the best results in seven days? Most people um, in that task group didn't do too hot because they weren't listening. They weren't the right 
I, they weren't the ideal client, like a lot of different variables, a lot of different reasons, but one person in particular, um, the main metric for me at the time and for them was virality and then how many leads generated and of course how many leads closed, but that's on their end. Um, that, that was it. That's all I cared about. And I knew I could do the virality because I'm really good top of the funnel. Um, and then figuring out like, okay, how do we generate leads for this person? And we did. Um, it wasn't insane, but in seven days, have their first viral post to get a client, you know, like those are real results. And I had never been able to attach myself to real results before outside of like vanity metrics. So that was just a big, honestly, that was a smart thing that I did. But pivotal moment for me. Got it. Okay. And what is the difference for you as you know, you're, you're starting to build this thing out between building your own brand and communicating as you as Quentin and you're talking as yourself and then you're have people that are now hiring you to I don't know if you're ghostwriting I don't know if you're advising that maybe it's a combination of all the things but how did you sort of delineate those two things was it sort of I would take the same approach I take for myself and just do it for Joe Schmo like how did you think about the strategy for other people yeah it was a process something that I had to learn and refine um now I just I just consult I don't want another agency and never want another agency. It's a hard model for me personally. And I respect anyone that can do it. Had a lot of success doing it, but it's just not not where I need to be or want to be. Um, but initially it's like, okay, like, okay, can you actually replicate this? Can you actually do this? Let's test this, let's do this. And it was just a lot of trial and error. And I think I learned the most from clients that we accepted that weren't a good fit. It's like, why aren't they a good fit? Oh, damn, they actually don't know who they are damn, they're not compelling on camera. They don't have it. You know, I still to this day can't define it and what that really means, but you need it. But also you need to have clarity on who you are or you need to be willing to to be open for us to help you get that clarity. And a lot of people weren't. You know, so it was in a lot of the, the, the clients that came in that just weren't a good fit that we did learn more. Okay, let's do this, let's try this. But initially things just started with like a dump. Let's learn everything that they know Let's learn where they want to go. Let's learn what they believe and let's learn how we fit into that, what we can create um, for that. And that, that evolved officially or starting out, I was just writing, ghostwriting, and then posting and kind of managing their stuff. Then it moved on, on to like, let's just focus on video and I'll do copy. Then I'm like, okay, let me just hire someone else to do copy and manage the project and do the video. And I'll just sit back and focus on high level strategy. Then I removed myself from that too. And I just focus on growing my company. So um, it, it really evolved, but I'd refine that, refine that process um, Got it. within it. And, and do you have a preference? I mean, I think I you've alluded to the answer, but of creating for yourself versus creating for others. <laughs> um, I really, I really like being behind the scenes for other people, but I think at this stage of my life, I've just done it so much and I've been on the back burner for so long. I just, I want to be a creator and I want to create and enjoy what I create. So I'd say for myself, um, there's more freedom there, but it is really cool just seeing someone else crush it, you know, mm -hmm. and knowing that you had a hand in that. It's like one of the coolest feelings. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, I, I think this is also interesting about this, you know, development and how you sort of built out the agency model. There's a lot of people I've talked to that they go the solopreneur route. They're, you know, they're in it themselves. They are going to go full steam ahead and it's going to be their thing, maybe one partner. You really built this out as a team. You hired a video team. You had other co-founders. What was the decision like in that? And why did you, you know, realistically, this could have been something that you did on your own. You took on a handful of people, you wrote, you made the help them, you know, whatever. Why did you want to sort of build out a, a team to help you do this? Yeah, I, I think if you asked me that then, like maybe in 2018, I'd probably give you a different answer. I think now looking back, um, there are a couple of reasons. One, because I did it alone. Um, and I was just lonely. But also, too, I think I just didn't have the confidence in myself as a leader to be able to lead a team, really lead a team, to really grow a company without making mistakes. And I, I saw certain things in myself that I just didn't like. Like when I did try it myself, I actually did have two other partners briefly, but it didn't work out because I got in an argument with them. Um, and it was something that I was right about and I knew I was right about. It was like, will LinkedIn personal branding be enough? And I was, I was right, but I held on to the fact that I was right. And I was just so mean and so angry. And I was, I was a kid, you know, and I've apologized for it since, but I just, I didn't have the confidence in myself to be able to do it. Um, 
And I think I built a lot of that confidence through my last venture and like even now, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I'd say that was probably the biggest reason. I just, I didn't know if I could do it alone. Got it. And as, as you were building out that team and now, you know, I want to talk more about your new role too, but you're, again, you're, you're now building more of a team and, and how do you think about the hiring process and bringing on people that can help you or complement you? And what is sort of your approach to growing a, a team? Yeah, definitely changed. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of things that I would do differently. Uh, back then, it was like, who believes in the mission? Do they fit the culture? That was the biggest thing. I'd still say that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing. Got to believe in it. They got to fit the culture. Um, and I was just like, so I knew what I wanted. I knew how I wanted the culture to be. And I would say that's the one thing we probably did really well. Very safe environment, at least in my opinion. Um, and then outside of that, it was just, okay, what do you need? And then like, let's find people. And we get a lot of inbound, like not even inbound. We got a lot of inquiries because of just who we were and the brands that we were building. And then people saw us behind other people's content too. That just helped a lot. I would say now, even though I'm not really running my own company, I do work with freelancers for, for my own stuff and like contractors and stuff. But um, I'm also leading a marketing team. Now I just have so much clarity around like really what I'm good at outside of building a company, but like running a marketing department, like, um, or building a marketing department, like what am I good at? I need a data person. I will always need a data person because that's just not me. You know, I need a project manager because things slip through the cracks for me because that's just not how my brain works. Um, I, I think the more time you spend with yourself and the more times um, you create or build whatever it is that you're doing, a company or content or whatever, you're gonna learn more. Um, so I think just for me, I, I'm almost crystal clear on who I am and what I'm good at and what I need. Um, and I'll probably always hire around that, even just in my personal life. Like I need a project manager for my content. Like I just, I know I do because I'm, I'm bad at it. I'm just absolute garbage at it. I am, I am right there with you. I could <laughs> desperately use a, a project manager to help me on my content. Um, I, I, it is funny you say that you, you're not a data guy because I, I feel like I've heard you talk, you know, you love sort of looking at the like insight behind the data behind why a video did well or why a blog did well. So are, are you, you, you're obsessed with data, but you're maybe just not good at it. Is that what I'm understanding? I'm a high level data guy. Okay. I'm not a in the data guy. Like I need an in the data person that is great at it, that can build the spreadsheets, that can tell me when I don't understand something, like why this is happening. When I have that and I have the numbers, that's when I'm most dangerous. Um, but if I don't, like I, I can manage, you know, I'm just, I, I know I need that. This might seem a little out of the clouds, but like as you create content for yourself or for others, how regularly are you looking at social content performance in what you do? Because I think, it is a fine balancing act. You know, we're, we live in such a world now that's so like-based, follower-based, view-count-based that you're that people obsess over it. That it's like every day they're looking at the looking at the numbers. So how do you sort of balance that? Like, I need this data to inform what I'm going to do next, but also not drive yourself crazy in content yeah. performance world. I think a lot of people obsess over it, but I think a lot of people obsess over the wrong parts of it. So like, did this podcast get a lot of downloads or did this post do well? But they really don't understand what well means for them because I guarantee you, like if you post two things, let's say one is like a million, million views, 100 whatever shares and like just good post, mm -hmm. uh, but it generates no dollars. And another post is a thousand, but it generates a million dollars. So you're going to want that probably more, maybe not, but depending on what good means for you. Um, so whenever I'm testing, like I typically track like, like all posts, like what's the hook that I use? Like what were the results for? Like if it's a campaign that we're doing same thing, like the typical things that you would do, but most of how I test is just like, it's like, what's my hypothesis? Um, if I put this in the, this link in the comments with this CTA versus this link in the comments with that CTA, which one's going to drive more clicks to my website? That's more of what I mean. When I say obsess over the data, and that's how I look at it, I'm not looking like, wow, I only got 10 followers today. And yesterday I got 15 followers, so this is a bad day. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. 
it's fine to do that. But again, like what's your goal? And I think if you know that main objective, it's going to be a lot easier for you to say like, this was successful. This wasn't, this should improve this. Like, let's see the same, like if you know that main objective, but that's, that's how I approach it. Like, and is that like a sixth grade science project? Yeah, no, I like that. Is that a, is that a, a mental log thing? Or are you like physically, there's a notebook, you're writing it down. There's a spreadsheet, like you're actually documenting. I use this hook and it did this. Yeah, so I've got a I've got a spreadsheet, and then I've I've got some like um, manual or automatic like automated things as well that I honestly don't check, which is why I go back to the spreadsheet. And then I have a a remarkable two that I use for a lot of different reasons, but one of my notebooks in there. It's a digital notebook. It's like a scientific notebook, but for content. You know, like what was the hypothesis? What happened? Like all that. Got it. Okay. Uh, and I I saw somewhere that you did not look at the analytics at all. You dropped your uh, podcast, You're, you launched your podcast, Stupid Deep, and you didn't look at the analytics for the first, I don't know how long, month or so. You come back to find that it was like a top 50 podcast on the first day that it launched. So In this category, yeah. Not, in this category. Not overall. That would have right. been dope. Though. Hey, still in its, <laughs> in its category. It's not bad either. Uh, was there any, was it the same kind of rationale? It was like, you just didn't want to look at it. You wanted to just like really be in it for the art and the creation process and the storytelling element of it yeah just wanted to enjoy it man especially coming out of closing my company i just wanted to enjoy something mm -hmm. like it was always about the numbers you know and again it's a balance like you said very very hard balance and that that podcast again it's hard to you, you've done so much and you create <laughs> so many things it's like where do i even where what do we even yeah, talk about the, 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 the it's amazing the podcast I like the, it's such a unique kind of narrative and storytelling mechanism in the way that you create it too. What about audio? Like you'd never, as far as, you know, you, I think you had a, a gaming podcast there for a little bit. You had, you, you've kind of experimented in the, in the audio space, but this seemed like your first like really deep dive foray into, into audio. What captivated you about that as a medium versus video or writing? Yeah, I, I think I was watching something with my eyes closed and I was like, damn, that's really cool. Like, I, I'm just weird. I don't know. Like, I was like, what would I miss if my eyes were closed? And does this, is this strong enough for me to understand everything that's happening with my eyes closed? Then I just started diving deep from there. Um, I watched a cartoon. I was like, I love how they just interject in the middle of a random episode. And there's so much energy there. Like, what if I did this and that just started researching all these shows. Um, but it was something that Alex Bloomberg said in like this course that I ended up taking about just like audio. And he said that audio is the most honest medium. And they did like a study, not him, but I think like NPR or something like that, um, where they took like, who could you tell who's lying? Video, text, um, audio. And audio was like the most honest medium, you know, like, and think about it, like just how connected you feel to someone when you're just listening to them. You know, and like if I tell you I have a green hat on, if you're looking at this and it's a video, you can see like it's a green fedora, you know, like you see it. If it's audio, you're going to imagine that. And it's like co-creation. And that was just so beautiful to me. It's like you can create a movie in someone else's mind. You're co-creating it. You don't know what's happening, but they are creating this movie. It's, that's just so cool to me. Still is. I just, again, I... I... <laughs> I got issues. I need to try everything. Run out of run out of time. So are there <laughs> are there are there plans to continue with the podcast to bring it back in a different form to start yeah. something new? Like how are you thinking about the the podcast space? Yeah. So I just I just got a grant for um um it's a LinkedIn's accelerator like creator accelerator program. Um, and my angle was really like creating social experiments. Um something that I dabbled with at my last company, but we just didn't have time to do anymore. Um, I want to do that, but I also want to bring that to the audio space as well. It has nothing to do with the grant, but um, I'll be using that footage and those that audio to create um, an audio experience that's in tandem with like a complimentary podcast. Yeah. Got it. This is maybe a, a incredibly dumb question for somebody like me who have like trying to picture like what a social experiment that you would create would be. Can you give me an example of like something that you're thinking about or that you'd want to do from a social experiment standpoint? Yeah. Um, what we did, and if you want, I can do 
what I would do if you want, that's fine too. But what we did in like 2018, we took like 30 strangers, made a list of people that we thought should know each other, um, but didn't really know each other well. So acquaintances or complete strangers. Um, we said, hey, do you want to come to this? Yes or no? Send yes or no. They had no idea what they were getting into at all. Um, but day of, if they said yes, they got a time, location, um, and hey, be ready to blah, like talk. Actually, I don't even think we said that. They just got time and location. They get there. Um, they op We open the door when it's ready. They all get a number on their hand, zero to 30. Um, I was number zero, so one to 30. Um, finally, we open like the area. They walk in. They see a stage, mic, cameras, lights, all these things, a random person on guitar and piano. Um, when I'm ready, I walk up on stage, and I'm like, yo, welcome to our experiment. Here's what we're going to do. Um, and I kind of welcome like, hey, like you're here for a reason, blah, 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 blah. But essentially I told them like the number on your hand signifies the order you're going to come up on stage. And that signifies, um, yeah, sorry, order you're going to come up on stage. And the prompt is like, what are you struggling with or what's something that you struggled with? And then I just start talking. Um, there was a couple other like little things in there as well. But I start talking about something I struggled with. Um, and I didn't really kick it off that strong looking back, but it's what I was struggling with. The next person though. It was so freaking powerful. And if she was not there, I don't think it would have been as amazing as it was, but it was so powerful. And then every single person went up after that. And it was, it was so incredible. And I had goosebumps like the entire time we created like this film around it. So things like that, um, that really like just shift your perspective on something. So I'm looking at something for grief. I want to do a couple on like mental health again, like things like that. Um, not like, Hey, like, not like the social experiments you see on YouTube where it's like, Hey, like, would you date me? Would you, I, they just yeah. go around asking it. Not like that. Nothing wrong with those, but um, not not your yeah. style. <laughs> yeah, fair fair enough. Uh, again, like I don't know how you think about all these. You know, you've now played with so many different forms of creative storytelling from video, social experiment. I would consider even like slightly different than straight to camera video. Like you've done audio, you've done blogs, you've done LinkedIn. Do you have at this point a favorite that you always go back to? Do you have something that you want to get better at or that you haven't tried that you want to try? Like, how do you think about that? Cause you've now seemingly touched a little bit everything. Yeah. I think my favorite will always be like written. I love writing. I always have. And I think something that I really want to get good at is like the melting pot, everything. And I think it really is experiences for people. So I think that blends in well with what is coming next in our world. Um, I really want to create worlds and experiences for people. Um, let someone just walk in a blank room and they've got a headset on. It's like, damn, like this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. That's what I want to do. So I think it's a mix of audio. It's a mix of visual. It's a mix of video. It's a mix of a lot of things. Plus like how you curate the experience. That's what I want to do, I think, for the rest of my life, at least the next decade of my life, um, create experiences. That that seemingly explains the, the VR element. The, you know, <laughs> I, it, it all sort of starts to piece together when you're like, okay, you can combine all these different yeah. storytelling mediums into one. It's a very simple question. What makes a good story to you? Dude, that's a good, good, good question. Um, and a very hard question. Um, I said I only had two hard ones. That was not on the list. Maybe there's three. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of ways that you can answer that. I think good stories are very simple and they're easy to understand. Not always easy, but typically they're simple. Um, but there's also something in there that's surprising, you know? Um, but everything is there for a reason and it all makes sense. And there's not just a character in there that's like, yeah, let's throw this in there and see what happens. Like it all makes sense. Um, and it, it contributes to um, the consumer's ability to understand that story. So I think when everything in there is there for a reason and it's simple and it's easy to understand, even if it's a complex story, it's still simple and easy to understand typically. And that's not always the case like i love tenet and that movie was so freaking confusing <laughs> but uh yeah yeah it's hard That's... okay and yeah it's not it's not an easy question has anybody ever told you that you have um just unbelievable storytelling voice like this is your real voice that you just talk like this all the time <laughs> it's unbelievable i get that a lot yeah it's so red it's so weird i don't know <laughs> 
just built just built for it. It's that uh, late night late night radio voice. Yeah, I'm like so, I'd listen to this guy read my microwave manual. <laughs> Might just be the mic too. Who knows? It could be. It could be. Uh, I I listen to myself back. I'm like God. I just want to claw my ears out, and it's not it's not as it's not as buttery smooth as yours. You've got that that energy though that I lack. Like I've got to get like super excited. Yeah. Rarely do I ever get excited. So fair. Okay. Um, so, so for a guy who has now seemingly you've played with every storytelling medium, you've tried things all for yourself. What made you make the decision fairly recently, within the last year, to take a job working for somebody else? You know, you move over to the to the greatness media. You're now you know helping lead the marketing department over there. What made you make that choice after however many years of, of doing it on your own? Yeah. Um, it's a lot of things happen in my life from like grief to grief of closing, like closing my company down. Sounds weird, but it's also a loss, you know, um, with where the world was at COVID. I just realized I needed something new and I didn't know what that new thing was. I launched my podcast. Lewis House was guest number one. That's what led to it. Um, but I think ultimately I just wanted to grow and I had been playing in like the personal branding space, but I'd never seen the very top of it. Um, and Lewis is someone I would consider at least like, yeah, like very top. He's of the right personal up there. Branding yeah. space. Like, um, so I, I wanted to learn, you know, and grow in areas that I wasn't able to, like you get a different budget, you get different comments, you get different everything when you're in that space and when you're in the top of it. Um, and I, I I wanted to learn, you know, and grow and learn from someone that was better than me at what I was doing. That was the biggest thing. Um, and I, I needed to heal, too, just from what I was going through, where I was at in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, question one coming out of that, how how did you get Lewis Howes as your number one guest on your podcast? It's crazy. All I did, and it's actually really crazy because now I can see the back end of how many messages he gets and how many are like, hey, can you come on my show? All I said was like, yo, bro. <laughs> Like literally, I talked like this too. I was like, "Yo, bro," never talked to the dude ever. Like maybe like once, like at a comment, I was like, "Yo, bro, um, I'm launching a new show. I'm expecting this many downloads. I've got a list that it's going out to. Super dope launch list. Here's who's going to be on the show. Do you want to be the guest?" He said, "Yo, that's cool. Um, if I'm guest number one, I'm down." I said, "Bet, done." And then that was it. Like very, very simple. Um, yeah. You send an email, text, uh, Just a LinkedIn DM, message. LinkedIn, LinkedIn message. message yeah. Okay. Wow. And now you see like how the sausage is made and you're like, yeah. how the hell did he see this message? <laughs> wild, man. Because so I can only wild. imagine he's getting on every platform hundreds, if not thousands of messages, yeah. comments, DMs a day. Yep. And yeah, somehow, somehow you slip, slipped your way through there. Thankful. Very yeah. thankful. That's cool. I told him that. And I assume that's now how you, you know, you having him on the show, you built rapport with him and that is ultimately to how you are now working for him yeah yeah we went back and forth for a while but i sent him the thing is like you're a beautiful storyteller man and then after that i think i was like yo dude it's kind of where matt saw this on your site would love to work with you i didn't even i didn't apply for a specific thing or anything i just said i would love to work with you and we went back and forth for like a handful of months but here i am and are you are you liking it now? You know, obviously very different from what you've been doing previously. Like, wh- what are some of the changes in in your life as you're now working a more structured? You know, have a boss. You know, all those things. Like, what is what has that been like for you? Yeah, it's a it's a dope company, man. Like, they have some incredible people, and I learn every single day from our like their employees and my coworkers. And um, con- what is it? Well. Wow. I used to be a consultant. I messed up with the word and consultants and contractors and things like that. Um, but at first it was like a big shift for me, you know, like even now, like there are some times where it's like, wow, like, damn, like if only I had an assistant, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. it's just, it is a big shift in a lot of areas, but it's not like, Hey, like clocking in nine to five, they're in LA too. So I wake up, I work at like 6am to nine and then I stop, then I work again, you know, so it's still very flexible, uh, but really cool company, really cool team. Mm-hmm. And I, it's so funny because I, I talk to so many people that they are going or trying to go a lot of them the opposite direction where they're you know working a full time job and want to get into doing something for themselves or creating for themselves and you're going the other way. So how have you managed now this full time job with the creation that you want to do the storytelling, the LinkedIn, the podcast, et cetera? Like, how are you trying to figure out how to 
manage those two worlds. Yeah, I have I have so much respect for employees now. So it's something I while I experience a little bit, but not really. So I, for the most part, I've just always been my own boss. I have so much fucking respect because it is exhausting to be able to create your own thing, whatever it is, that's content or a business, side hustle, whatever, and work of all. It's just so so exhausting and time consuming. For me, it's. This is a big shift for me, like when I was running my own company, it's now all about systems and processes, like a notion board and everything set up, like goes to my editor, We, this is getting done, this is like, it's all a system and I want to remove myself as much as possible and in greatness, it's all about systems and processes, which again, is a big shift, but how can I just continuously replicate? How can I make this a system? Um, that's been my, my main priority, my main focus on my personal stuff and, and within greatness. And it's, it's helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not naturally how I am. So I really had to push myself, but very thankful that I have. And what are, just to go drill down a level deeper, like what are some of those systems that you've started to put in place on your, we'll say on the personal side, as you like create, you know, you talked about five years ago, you're doing create twice, you know, post once what are you what are, how are you thinking about that now and how do you carve out the time to do what you need to do yeah first thing i did was just map where my time was going i was spending like two to three hours editing per video which is a very long time and i have editing experience so very very long time i'm not like a professional editor but i had a video company you know so i know what i'm doing um so i was like first thing okay I'm doing this, my time's going here, this is a waste of time, this is my strength. So I outsourced it. I found someone that had a team, um, and I traded services, he did it for free. First video I put up after that went viral. It's like, damn, I should probably do what I'm good at. And now I have like an actual like videographer that I pay, um, or I'm sorry, editor that I pay uh, for my stuff as well. Uh, but I built the system and like the templates from that other team. Um, so hey, this is kind of what I like, make this better. Hey, here's another one I kind of like, make this better. It's become a system and I have that person that I outsource and I know how much time it should take. Thus, I know how much I should be paying. Um, and then, so I have my Remarkle with all my notes. That's where I do my storyboards and stuff. Um, in my Notion, which is like a project manager slash a lot of other things, it's incredible. Um, I send my Remarkable stuff to that. Every project, every video goes in there. He sees it, they see it individually. Here's the videos. Um, they see my notes, things that I want to do, things that I want to try. All the files are there. Their final things are there. And I know when it's ready because they just move it over. And then I can give suggestions um, and things as needed. But I would say the most important one I started doing recently, it's just creating twice. I haven't been posting twice because, again, I've been taking a break, but just creating twice. I used to try to batch everything. Like, let's write 20 scripts and do them all now. It just stressed me out. And I get so pissed off. So I just started shooting two videos a day. Do two a day again, like that's it's a lot of content. But maybe it's four a day for you, maybe it's five, depending on what you're doing. But for me, just two a day. Mm -hmm. And not including social experiments or anything, right. of course. Does do, have you found that like a systematic approach takes any of the creativity or the fun out of it? Does it make it feel more like an operation, like a business, like a conveyor belt to just like, okay, I gotta get the next one going? Like how do you balance that piece of things too? Yeah, it used to for me, which is why I've never been like this. But honestly, I feel so creative, like even more creative with like the restrictions that I have. And I think that's a thing too. Like when there's more restrictions, you are more creative, like less money, you're going to be more creative, you know. Um, but it's made me more creative. And it's also held me accountable. Like I always make the excuse, I'm the creative type, I'll get it done when I get it done. But if I have to shoot right now, this is the time that I've got, like, I'd, I'd take that any day. So it's it's helped me a lot. Okay. All right. I don't want to keep you too long here. So I just have a couple, couple of rapid fires to, uh, <laughs> to close you out here. One, how do you pick the piano ballads that go into all of your videos? <laughs> because it is just like, it, it hits you right in the, right in the everything every time. And I'm like, man, how, where does he find these things? Oh, that is hilarious. Um, Epidemic Sound is one that I use, but most are just directly on TikTok. If okay. I see someone's videos that I like, You're like okay. I'll click into all of their videos because mm -hmm. that means they like stuff like me and then I'll just favorite all of them. That's okay. bring it hilarious. <laughs> I was like, this man, I don't know if you're scoring your own thing. I'm like, this needs a professional composer on these. Yo, that's the goal. That is the goal. Not me to do it, but someone else. That'd to get somebody to do it. Okay. I know the answer to this, but 
tell the rest of the people listening to this about the hat. Why the hat? <laughs> Why is the hat always part of the Q look? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I started popping off on LinkedIn, I used to wear a beanie, and someone was like, you always wear that beanie and that scarf. And I was like, I don't want to be known for a beanie and a scarf. Someone that helped me grow had green hair, and I was like, what's my version of green hair? Um, I used to wear like this big, big hat in like video games that I would play often, like a, like a magician's like big, big hat. And I was like, can I find something like this? Um, I got it. It was like 50 bucks on sale, and I wore it like every day for like two days or two years straight, like legit. Like I took it off, of course, but like two years straight, sure, every event, did, sure. every video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe not, probably not, yeah. honestly. But every video, everything, and I don't know, just became a part of me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I've, I've read more into, you know, it's part of your story. It is part of like, it's like a unique identifier for you with this, this hat. It's every video. It's, you know, it's a, it's a calling card a little bit. It's kind of, it's cool. Um, if you had to give any advice, you know, you've been at this for a while now. I, I, I sometimes hate asking this question, but it feels appropriate here. You're back to where you began. You're 22 again. You're just starting to like, you know, figure all the world out you're starting a business what would be your piece of advice to somebody just getting started that wants to start their own thing that wants to get into creating content that wants to get a business going off the ground what would you tell 22 year old you to do Mm, yeah um probably to put my blinders on um i think we have a tendency to make and see other people as competition and also compare ourselves to other people and Honestly, most of that competition will weed themselves out. Just focus on yourself. Be consistent. There's a time and place for you to take those blinders off and compare and look and, and learn and get inspired by other people. But for the most part, like keep the blinders on, especially in those early years. Um, yeah. Okay. Take that that and keep your ego in check. That'd be a big one. That's a, t- that's a tough one. All right. <laughs> You ever have a f- favorite piece of content you've ever made? Um, wow. I think the mental health experiment that I was saying before. I think that's that's my favorite. Okay. All right, I like that. And last question. So I sign off every show with the closing of "Stay Weird." So Quentin, what makes you weird? Bet. Um, <laughs> I like that. I used to ask uh, for my podcast before the gaming podcast. <laughs> We used to ask people what makes you three podcasts ago. Yeah. Yeah. Three podcasts ago. What makes you strange on purpose? Because that was the name of our show. Very similar. What makes you misfit? You know, Um, I'd say for me, what makes me weird is that people think that I'm good at certain things. I would say it's because I'm not good at things. Um, That's what really makes me weird. Understanding my weaknesses. And there are a lot of weaknesses. But because I have a good understanding of those weaknesses, I am more strategic about how I approach things and more creative about how I approach things. Um, and that's what really makes me good at certain things. So I'd say I'm weird because I'm really bad at most, <laughs> most things and I understand that I'm really bad at most things. is a wrap on this week's episode of destination different huge thank you to quentin for taking the time for coming on this week's show he is so accomplished so talented you start to you start to list out you know i i always you know when i write the descriptions for these episodes try and boil it down to a couple of things quentin's done like a hundred things it is I, I, it's almost impossible to try and summarize what it is that he's worked on as a creative, as an entrepreneur. And I'm going to try my best, but man, he just has done it all at such a young age and I think is only going to continue to grow as an artist and a storyteller and as an op- entrepreneur. I can, I can guarantee you, you haven't heard the last of Quentin. And if I, if I understood him like I think I do, he's got probably some big, big projects up his sleeve that are soon to be coming on the horizon. So thank you to Quentin. We'll make sure that we get all of his stuff linked up in the description of the show, where you can follow him, where you can check out Greatness Media, where you can look at some of his biggest projects to date. And that's it. I'm going to keep this short and sweet to end. I hope that everybody has a safe 
healthy. Those are the most important. If we can tack on happy, you know, that's, a, that's just gravy. But safe, healthy, happy holidays. Enjoy some time off. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy a little bit of overindulgence. Start thinking about what 2022 looks like for you. I know that I'm going to be spending the next week or so figuring out goals for the podcast, figuring out goals for myself creatively, getting myself set up with a system to really go and win big in the new year. So that's all I got. Again, safe, healthy, happy holidays to everybody. Enjoy the time. We will see you back again next week, next Wednesday, with the final episode of the year for Destination Different. Until then, stay with Just a couple hours I can't tell the difference Between what's fake and what's been missing Often I'm misunderstood So I'm looking for a better me This is your love song, baby I hope that you know the words